If driving traffic online is part of your business, whether that's delivering new B2B leads, whether that's selling products to consumers, whether that's getting app downloads, if bringing people somewhere on the internet is part of what you do, then this is a podcast that's worth tuning into. On this episode, we're going to be talking about the impact of machine learning on the domain of advertising. Uh, As many people tuned into this show will be well aware, Facebook and Google's entire advertising complex is predicated on machine learning, allowing people to sort of self-serve their own data needs across Google's and Facebook's very wide audience. Uh, But there are some other players that are running and gunning in this space, and one of them uh, happens to be a unicorn company based in Bangalore, India. This was one of our in-person interviews done during our AI in India in-depth research, where we aim to come up with sort of economic recommendations for the government of India about how to make AI a useful and impactful technology uh, for the country and maybe hedge against some of its risks. And we get to walk into InMobi, which happens to be one of the rare Indian unicorns that is sort of functioning in the ad tech space uh, and delivers upwards of 10 billion ad requests in a given day, as purported by the folks that we spoke with when we were there. We caught up with Avi Pachaba, who's Vice President of Data Science and Machine Learning there in Bangalore, Um, and Avi spoke with us about sort of where machine learning plays a role in matching ad requests to the right audience whether this is on mobile or on desktop or across all different kinds of devices and mediums, how do we take the bombardment of requests for different kinds of audiences for specific kinds of products and match them appropriately to the right audience? Uh, This is certainly a rife sort of domain for AI applications right now, for machine learning applications right now, but is also going to more and more so be the case on different kinds of ad networks. And Mobi is certainly a rather large one, uh, but there's only going to be more and more of this. So the dynamics that Avi explores in terms of how a request meets its proper audience at scale across, again, 10 billion or more sort of requests in a given day uh, is relatively eye-opening. And Avi paints a pretty robust picture of what this technology looks like moving forward. Now it's going to sort of change the game uh, for marketers, how the emphasis on data, how the emphasis on machine learning is going to alter the way that advertising is bought and the way the future of the industry might be shaped. Uh, So without further ado, we're going to dive into it. I'm Dan Fagella, and this is AI in Industry. And let's hop right in with Avi Pachaba of InMobi. Yeah, Avi, maybe where we'll start in terms of where machine learning plays a role in InMobi. Off mic, you had mentioned maybe there's 25 use cases currently in the business now where machine learning is playing an important part. Predictions, a big element, sort of matching advertisements and folks you're advertising to. Maybe you could go into some detail, you know, in, in business terms of or terms for non-technical folks as to where machine learning plays a role in, I guess, the bulk of your kind of operations here in this advertising firm. So a big part of what we have to do as an advertising network is understand where the opportunity is for advertisers to achieve their KPIs, to achieve their objectives. Given that whole landscape of potential customers that can help drive business for them. And we're operating in a globally connected marketplace, literally with big presence in China, in Europe, in India, and the US as well, and at a high frequency marketplace. I make this comment that as someone who's worked across multiple sectors before I came to ad tech, there's only one other sector I know that has this level of high frequency of marketplace activity, and that's the financial services world. But beyond that, ad tech is 
There's a lot of analogies two. there. There's a lot of analogies. Interesting analogies. Yeah. Funny enough, so we increasingly have brought in experts from that world to come talk to our teams. <laughs> Doesn't surprise and me. And like share their insights, their ways of building algorithms, how they're testing, how they're learning. A lot of analogies. A yeah. lot of analogies. All this high frequency like machine training on, on the markets. Yeah. I wonder when eventually what we're seeing in terms of advertising is going to be managed in a similar way. Anyway. <laughs> Crazy I decisions. Actually, I even go as far as saying that some of the more the innovations that you're likely to get, like I, I'll talk about applying reinforcement learning to these problems. Everything I've seen in the algorithmic trading world, not a lot has been done openly in using reinforcement learning and algorithmic trading yet. And if it's being done, it's being done in private in some of the very secretive hedge funds. Sure. Yeah. But that's somewhere that potentially advertising can like come up with innovative techniques that might come back actually to financial work quite possibly. But so just coming back to that thread, what I was saying is that to help our advertisers be successful and also our publishers be successful because we're a marketplace that very uniquely is operating on both sides and want both parties to be successful, representing both parties, we have to get the matching right of which advertiser is running on which sites, which publishers, for both to achieve their goals. To do that, we're actually having to make split-second decisions with every ad request that comes through, and it's up to 10 billion plus ad requests that are coming through every day that we're seeing. What is the value of that ad request to a given advertiser? to a very specific advertiser, what is the value of that single request? And accordingly, in that literally flash of a second, something like 0.3 seconds, be able to say, hey, the person that's coming through or that device, there's this much probability that they will go through and complete the behavior that we're looking for. And therefore, this is the value of that request to us. Mm -hmm. And so we can then run our bidding mechanisms to bid on that request. Mm -hmm helping advertisers ultimately achieve their KPI. And this is something that would happen, as I said, for any given advertiser campaign, potentially millions of times, potentially every single request they're looking at, the model is on their behalf, valuing what's the potential from that request. And then a bid is going across, and that bid is either won or lost, depending on the market mechanisms. Just to sit on the headline there, you know, when you're working with both sides and both have to be successful, you have to bring them together in, in an effective way. Every request counts. You're trying to get the best equation on every single request you're getting. If that's at a scale of 10 billion plus, only algorithms in an automated way with the maximum intelligence you have in your data can do that. And so just to maybe paint a little bit of a picture of what's happening here, I guess the assumption would be you have a certain kind of ad. Maybe it's something you've done a lot of. Maybe it isn't. Let's say it's getting people to download an app you had mentioned is a relatively frequent CTA that you're coaxing out. So maybe it's an app for fashion or retail. No idea. Maybe you do a lot of that. And then they're targeting a particular audience. Maybe it's women between 30 and 40 in big cities in China. Mm -hmm. You mentioned you guys have big presence in China. There's some ability for us to know how well this kind of app will respond to this kind of person. And so we have a decent starting point of where to begin our exposures. And then maybe there's some testing and stretching out of what that audience is in this millisecond decision-making that's yeah. happening. Is that more or less what's going down here? Yeah, I think that's a fair summary. That you've got two parallel mechanisms, both which involve a big part driven by machine learning. On the one hand, you say, hey, look, from all the data I've seen historically, this is huge amounts of data, right? If you're talking about billions of requests coming in every day, what do I already know about this particular profile coming from this city in China? What's the likelihood that they're going to complete this CTA? for a given fashion or retail or gaming or e-commerce situation. So I can use machine learning to put a price on that. But at the same time, if it's a very new category or it's a new type of app, maybe I do not have the data that's going to tell me that. And I have to constantly 
have a system that can operate very quickly to experiment, learn, take the feedback, and further invest or disinvest based on that feedback. Again, that has to be driven by a machine system, at least in many parts of the value chain, because of the level of data and the speed that decisions have to happen. And so, yeah, you won't have an immediate proxy of like, oh, well, here's where the matching we know is going to be spot on. Sometimes there have to be initial assessments. And then as quick as you can, I imagine, because every instance counts, find a tighter and tighter match for those folks. Correct. And button when something's working, you have to button down and say, hey, look, it's working. I've hit a segment. I'm getting the, now I need to further invest, keep spending my additional ad dollars there very quickly. So matching, and it wasn't maybe two hours ago when we were at make my trip where they were talking about if when they open up a new city, something similar, right? They have to find some proxy if they have one, but otherwise they've got to test and then knuckle down on what seems to be working. Clearly for you guys doing that at a gargantuan scale is, you know, 10 billion a day is kind of a day in the life. In terms of targeting, you'd mentioned is also kind of an important facet of what happens now on a day-to-day in Inmobi. Maybe there's a way to articulate that for non-technical folks as well. Yeah. Targeting, like in the simplest terms, if you think about marketing is being able to know what audience you're going after and know where that audience is. So if you're a company and you say, hey, I have a product and I want to take it to 25-year-old women who are living in suburban cities across the West, for example, in this case. So that's a very specific profile you want to go after. Now you need to know how many people like that are there out there? How many people, if you're coming to a network, do you have access to of that profile? And targeting helps you achieve that. Build these different audience segments, and audiences can be defined by almost any variable, and understand the scale of them, maximize the scale of them, so you go after every potential person that meets this profile, which gives campaigns then the best chance of achieving their objective at scale. Do you sometimes have to find proxies for what that targeting is? Like, in other words, you mentioned 25-year-old women in suburban, whatever, you know, Arizona. I imagine sometimes there's data that will let you know exactly that that's the case. Maybe other times it's type of device and purchase history stuff, or it has to be kind of proxy. The analogy that comes to my mind is like look-alike to some degree. I imagine that has to be a part of building an audience quickly. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So definitely three or four layers. So you're right that you don't always have every audience fully defined just as you'd like them to be. So often you have other variables which you have to understand how they're correlated with your target audience. And maybe it's what particular devices someone's using, what particular apps someone's using, exact location that they might be in. Those are proxies that you use. In some cases, you have like missing variables and you have to build inference models. So you might have two out of three of what you want to define your audience segment. And you still might want to target this person even though I have two out of three. So I need my best guess on what is the age of this person. Often, age is not something you directly get as an ad network. We don't know that to people. But you can infer that based on other types of data. And you'll never get it smack on the spot. But if you get it broadly right, that's something you can work with. Yeah, if you're within two or three years, you're probably okay. You don't need to know that it was you know, November 3rd or something, right? Yes. Cool. You also mentioned lookalike. So yes, so lookalike models are a big part of what we do. And when you know very clearly what you're looking for, and you have the good data to identify that group, this lookalike helps you achieve scale because it's yeah. saying, hey, even if I don't have perfect data to describe people that fit this segment, if I do have 1.6, for instance, billion devices, how many of those look very similar to this group that I can have good enough confidence that they are? My access to scale goes up considerably, which is very important yeah. for any campaign. Yeah, especially if you have something that's really 
really winning in a certain segment, you know, even if it's a little bit rougher around the edges, you're probably going to be winning. Then you want to stretch that as much as you can and yes. access more folks. I like the point you made because it's not about getting it perfectly right. It's about getting it above average. Yeah, you, know, you have to win. Better and better. You, you just need wins, right? I mean, like totally. So last point that we'll touch on, which we mentioned a little bit off microphone here, was the changes happening in marketing and advertising within those, I guess, previously maybe sort of individual business functions. You had painted a bit of a picture, didn't go into much detail yet, as to how those are kind of coming closer and closer together and how those business functions are are kind of uniting in some sense. What do those changes look like? I think they are probably quite separate in many large companies. What's bringing them together and how does that alter the future of your industry? Sure. So be specific on what you were saying. I think we were talking about you know marketing function and the function of advertising. It's not necessarily an advertising function in a big company, but yeah, the function, function of advertising. advertising. Yeah, yeah. And typically, to put it crudely, like marketing is where the strategic, like left brain, right brain activity is happening. That decision making, the big ideas are happening. What customers you go after, how you go after them, how you position your brand, all that's happening in the marketing function. Advertising, in its most brutal form, is just the execution of that in a campaign being taken as a given the strategic guidance and putting it into action. We believe these functions are both being disrupted because in a world where that value chain all the way from marketing to eventually where your final ad dollar is spent, the last mile of your ad dollar, if that world is integrated and you're seeing the flow all the way from a decision I made here to how it performed with that last dollar I spent, it's automated. If the data is flowing well, like the speed of when I made a decision, how quickly I can get feedback because of the speed and scale of the automation, if that feedback speed is, uh, is also in place, you have a world where these two functions become hip to hip. They become one and the same. And if you're a CMO and you have a bunch of ideas on how to ultimately drive user acquisition or reduce the churn of your users, you can very quickly learn from your data on that last mile of advertising spend. Right? Your strategy can adjust, the way you spend your marketing dollars can adjust. And this can be driven by an intelligence that's like rapidly making these decisions for you at speed, eventually so that you just hit your one KPI, which the CMO might be you know, drive user acquisition at the lowest possible cost. Yep. In our industry, we've played a big role in that transactional element of making advertising work. What we're saying is that, hey, if we have such a great understanding of that and have the systems to actually ensure the spend of those advertising dollars, help support that movement to connect the dots for how these decisions are being made, we can really be an enabler now to the CMO's decision-making as upstream as possible. Okay, okay. So this is where it affects kind of your world and the ad network world is maybe instead of being an execution arm, it's really a necessary part of the strategic function altogether at the highest levels. That's not something that comes back eventually and maybe we think about it for the next big idea. That's how big ideas maybe are developed five years from now. Yes, on the right page. absolutely. So like we're driving insights. We're not just driving execution, but yeah. we can drive the insights on what's working, what's not. We can drive that rapid testing, those rapid testing loops for the CMOs. We can come up with hypotheses ourselves. Hey, it's not this segment that you're shooting after. Actually, the people you're selling to are A, B, and C. We can drive that competitor analysis. We're seeing obviously so many different players across different categories. We can drive competitor insights and in saying that, hey, we notice against your peer group, uh, you're doing very well on retention of customers, but your acquisition costs are, are very high because you've 
chosen to spend here and here. But because we're the ones seeing where those dollars are being spent, and we can ultimately see that end activity, that call to action, we can maximize the intelligence, the learning to actually inform the CMO's decision making. It almost makes me think to some degree, I've never watched the show, but there's a show, I guess, called Mad Men about the old advertising, Madison Avenue kind of industry. And I think it's to some degree laughable now how kind of intuitive and airy-fairy decision-making and like, you know, what we're going to put out to people was sort of done back then. And then, of course, there's the opposite extreme of maybe programmatic advertising where we're getting matching and iteration done really, really quickly. Maybe the idea here is that there's just more and more shift of everything being able to be tested and moving faster. It's like everybody kind of knows it's it's not that stodgy and crazy like it's portrayed in that show anymore. Yeah. But to some degree, I guess a lot of things maybe are separated from real testing. And maybe it sounds like in your eyes, that gap is being closed. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Huh. And advertising has a big role because advertising is ultimately the owner of the channels for that testing, that last mile to the customer. Huh. Curious. I imagine this will be worth chewing on for some of our listeners who are either spend plenty through these various and sundry channels or in this space themselves. Avi, that's all that we have for questions, but thanks so much for uh, your response. Sure. Thanks for having me. That's all for this episode on the AI and Industry Podcast, where we explore the applications and implications of AI in your business or industry. And when it comes to those benefits of real insight in terms of artificial intelligence applications in business, this show is really just the tip of the iceberg. AI and Industry is produced by Tech Emergence, and over at techemergence.com, you can find actionable industry-specific coverage, including case studies, unique market research with charts and graphs, and regular coverage of the AI applications of both the hottest startups here in the Bay Area, as well as what Fortune 500 companies are doing with AI today. Everything from marketing and advertising, business intelligence, to specific industries like finance and healthcare, you can stay ahead of the curve and stay on the right side of disruption by visiting techemergence.com. And when you're there, make sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter on the left-hand side of the page. Uh, Most of our podcast listeners get the episodes directly to their inbox every week. You'll be joining tens of thousands of other business leaders who join us from all over the world to stay ahead of the curve of AI in their specific industry. So that's techemergence.com. I'm Dan Fagella. This is AI and Industry, and we'll catch you next week. 